Board Gamers Anonymous is proud to support Black Lives Matter and all the protesters around the world who take up the cause of justice for the sake of our humanity. We could not be more proud of you, and we join with you in solidarity as your uprising brings light to the darkness in our hearts. We call upon our law enforcement and military to put down their weapons and take up their honorable calling to protect and serve the people. As members of the board game media, it is vital that we shine a light on anything in our industry that would bar anyone for joining us at the table. Until we can all sit together, we will stand with you. Welcome to Board Games Anonymous, the podcast of board gamers and the insane fun we have at the table together. This is Chris. And this is Anthony. And this is episode 277, Reddit's Top 100 List. We'd like to thank all of our Patreon backers for helping us bring you a brand new episode. All right, Anthony, we are back on a brand new episode, an especially interesting episode. Now, I know for many people that are out there, Reddit is a given. Everyone's been on Reddit. They post on Reddit. It's a big place for board gaming. But I got to be honest with you, Reddit doesn't really register with me so much. I have an account on there, but I really don't traverse all the subreddits. So I was personally surprised when I stumbled across Reddit's top 100 board games and its comparison to Board Game Geek. Yeah, this is cool. I I mean, I'd seen that they had a top list. I don't know that I'd ever seen the full top 100 list before you sent me the link. And honestly, like the sum total of the time I spend on Reddit the board game subreddit is if I'm trying to think of a new question of the week or researching something and just seeing if anybody's posted about a new game that came out recently. I don't participate here much at all, despite many people over the years telling me I should. It's just not my thing, I guess, these older style of you know threaded forums. But I know thousands and thousands of people do. So it's a huge part of the board game community. So it's kind of, I think it'll be fun for us to go through the list that's there and then kind of see how it's different from the one on bgg because these are the two big lists right absolutely and bgg for me has always been the standard and i never realized there was another standard out there and they crunched six hundred ninety one thousand two hundred eighty six ratings to put this together and there are a good number of members that voted on the reddit list that are a part of board game geek so it's not a completely abstract kind of random group out there in the community you know sometimes you'll see like a random magazine or website like these are the greatest board games of 2020 number one uno number two (laughs) monopoly and you're like really really like those are fine those are fine games but there are other games out there so it's a really interesting list yeah if anything this one I mean, we haven't run through it completely yet, but I feel like it might skew a little heavier even. So it'll be fun to compare them. Absolutely. All right. So that is our feature review. But before we get into the feature review, Anthony, there is a tremendous number of things on in the board game industry. So why don't you bring us up to speed? All right. Yes. Question of the week this week. I asked everybody if they had tried any print and play games or expansions in the last few weeks and specifically the last few weeks because... 
we've seen a groundswell of companies releasing print and play versions of already published games, print and play versions of prototypes and new games, print and play expansions to games that are unique to our situation. And I've actually partaken of a few of them just because we're all home and bored and it was interesting and novel and fun to do. So I asked a few people, you know, what have you been into? We get, didn't get a ton of responses on this one. I think probably the majority of people are not super keen on printing out and cutting out and building their own games. But uh, some of the recommendations that we did get, we had Supermarché from Eric on Facebook and a few other people mentioned games that have come out recently uh, that weren't available in print and play earlier, I don't believe. Um, these, I've written down a few of them. Uh, Button Shy Games does print and play for a lot of their stuff. Yes. Uh, these are the guys who like Sprawlopolis. Uh, Elizabeth Hargrave's second game, Tussie Mussy, is a Button Shy game. Those are both available on PNP Arcade, which... I think they're like two or three dollars. You can download all the cards. It's like 18 cards. So it's relatively low. It's like two sheets of paper. You cut them out. You put them in card sleeves with like an old Pokemon card. You're good to go. So and those games are fantastic. Solo games. Uh, Fantasy Flight and Asmodee have released a whole bunch of stuff. Uh, like random stuff. Like they had Corinthia. It was like a roll and write game that came out maybe a year ago. Uh, they released print and play versions of three of the new or four of the new, I believe, Keyforge decks for the long delayed mass mutation expansion that were actually a lot of fun. I actually, I went to the trouble of doing that because I wanted to try those decks out. I downloaded two of them and put those together. And probably my favorite one that's come out of the Asmodee camp is the ticket to ride stay at home edition. Mm. This is, so what this is, is it's a custom map for ticket to ride and it's a house. So it's not a country like most of them are. It's someone's house. And the roots are things like the refrigerator to your couch and your couch to the bathroom and going upstairs to bed. And you can print this out and put it together with multiple sheets of paper. And you just you have to have an existing copy of Ticket to Ride because you're going to need the trains and cards and stuff. But it's just really cute. And the way it looks, too, is like it's hand drawn. So it's yes. not even like high quality artwork. It's like this hand drawn thing that somebody would do on the back of a napkin. So that was really, really clever. One of the first ones that released in all this was uh, from Stonemeyer Games, uh, Rolling Realms. And mm -hmm. they're like, they're up to like version 10 of this now. So you can wow. go to the Stonemeyer website and they have the rules as well as the sheets that you need. It's a roll and write, but it's like a meta roll and write that takes in all the different games in the Stonemeyer uh, oeuvre. <laughs> and those are the different realms. And you're trying to roll them and score different points based on the, the different games that you are I guess, gathering together. I don't know the exact terminology of this, but essentially you have like Charterstone and Viticulture and all the different worlds of Stonemaier are in this game and you're trying to collect points in different categories for them. So it's kind of a fun one as well. He's changed the name at some point, so you might have an older version. I can't remember exactly what it was called, the first edition. Um, there was another game with the same name, so now it's Rolling Realms. So these are a few that were recommended. Several of these I've tried myself. And yeah, it's fun. I know it's a lot of work, so a lot of people avoid it. But in this particular time when no new board games have come out in the last three months, because everything's on hold, uh, it was kind of fun to get some newish stuff to the table. Yeah, I talked about a game when uh, Bruce was on, Anthony. I think you missed that episode. That was a, I guess, earlier on, it was kind of like a gift, so to speak, from the people at Cards Against Humanity. It was a family version 
of Cards Against Humanity, which, if you don't know, because many people don't know, there already is yeah. a <laughs> family version of it. It's called Apples to Apples. It was around yeah. way before Cards Against Humanity. So, yeah, so that was the one that I tried out for the family to see if there was anything obviously radically different. And there wasn't. But again, it was a it was a nice idea on their part to try to offer something out there. You know, the problem with pink print and play is, like you said, there, there's obviously a construction factor to it. It's just generally inkjet ink tends to be so crazy expensive that sometimes if it's even a small game with a lot of artwork, it might be as much of <laughs> as the actual real live copy of it. I mean, it's, it's rough. Oh yeah. No, it's crazy. Like, and most of these too, like button shy games, for example, are 18 cards each. So it's, again, yeah. two sheets of paper, it's a fair amount of ink, but it's two pieces of paper. But when I printed out the Keyforge decks, that was crazy. That was like six sheets of paper color for each of those decks. And I'm like, what am I doing? (laughs) What am I doing right now? I guess, you know, being stuck at home in the middle of a pandemic will do that to you. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to the day that we have print and plays that come with uh, 3D printed miniatures. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Yeah, I'm totally on board for that. Like, hey. We got a brand new game. Like, awesome. Like, I don't even want to see the game. I just want to punch it into my uh, printer and see what prints out because that would be amazing. All right. So that's what's going on with our listeners. Now let's talk about the games that we want to hit the table and tablet. Let's talk about our acquisition disorders. Anthony, what do you have up for us this week? All right. Yeah. So I have another 18xx game. Yes. What? I know. I said this last week that these things are coming fast and heavy for the summer. And yeah. I didn't even realize how fast it it was like four days later. There's another one up. So I have these both bookmarked now and I have to choose which one to back because I'm going to back one of them, but I'm not going to back two of them. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> a lot of money. <laughs> um, so this one is 1822, the railways of Great Britain. And this one is actually relatively recent. A lot of these games that come out are either brand new that someone just made or they're like 10, 15 years old that someone like handmade 50 copies of. So 1822, for a while, was like a handmade game. Um, All Aboard Games prints this one. But it just came out in 2016. Uh, It won the Golden Elephant for the best game that year. And it is a big, meaty 18xx game. So some of these have smaller maps and smaller banks and, you know, different mechanisms that make the game a little bit shorter, more accessible, whatever it might be. And I feel like Several of the ones I've talked about recently have been more introductory in that way. Although the one last week, 18DO, has like a advanced mode to it. This one, though, if you look at the map, it is huge. It is a huge map. It's the entirety of Great Britain. Uh, it also comes with two scenarios for like the northern region and then kind of the medium region, the middle area. A um, little bit smaller map, but the full map is massive. And the the result of this is that you have so much stuff in the game for reference, like a, a lighter typical 18 XX game will have somewhere between like five and 10 companies. This one has 10 major companies. So nothing crazy, but then 21 private companies and 30 minor companies. So all these different smaller things that you can pull in and use and make part of your tableau. They make a point of how this has like more Euro game elements into the 18 XX system uh, with 
kind of the auction system that it implements and some of the other mechanics. It is still like a pure 18xx, and it's one of the more popular ones that's been out in the last few years. It's also really expensive. <laughs> so the uh, the handmade version that All Aboard did for a while was 200 bucks, and I think the Kickstarter is 120 so you are paying a pretty penny for this one. What I will say, though, is that the first Kickstarter that All Aboard did, 18 Chesapeake, um, which is more of an introductory game, was very well produced. And that game's more affordable. It's under $100 for sure. But it had, you know, some of the better cardstock, very nice presentation, solid artwork. You get the little wooden bits with the stickers on them instead of the cardboard bits. It was very, very solid production and probably the best one I've seen yet out of an 18xx game. This one will have the same. So you're paying for all that stuff and you're getting a lot of bits because there are so many companies here to play through. It does play three to seven. Seven's pretty solid. A lot of them only go up to six. So you can play a huge game if you want. It does have two player rules in there as well. And yeah, I mean, it just looks really solid. This is, I'm very, very tempted to pick this one up. If I do, I almost certainly won't get the one I talked about last week. So <laughs> I guess follow me on Kickstarter and see what I back. And then, you know, then you'll know what my ultimate decision is. So the Railways of Great Britain, 1822. It's on Kickstarter now. It ends on June 30th. So you got about a few weeks to look at it. I'm looking forward to the day that I actually pull the trigger on one of these 18 X games. I'm not sure which one. It will be. I'm not sure where it'll be. Kickstarter or some to the local store or maybe something that comes up for auction. But one day, maybe one yeah. day, I'll actually <laughs> pick one of these up. The next one coming to Kickstarter, I think, is 1889. And that okay. is generally agreed upon to be the best intro game. Because oh. it's got a, a very small bank, so that means the game is shorter. It doesn't add a bunch of extra mechanics. And the roots are fairly simple on the map. So you just learn the basics of the game. Uh, it is been out of print forever. You can play it online at 18xx.games, but it is almost impossible to find a physical copy of, but it should be on Kickstarter sometime this year because developer finally got the rights to it from the designer. So that would be the one. If you're going to back one, that's the one I'd recommend if you've never played one before. You can also pick up 18 Chesapeake from All Aboard Games. They have copies still on their website, and that's also another good introduction one. Gotcha. All right. Um, maybe that sounds like something that I actually might pull the trigger on, or maybe I'll wait until it finally hits nineteen hundred because I don't know bigger train. No, 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 train? no, no. Then it's not no? a train game. No. Oh, damn. <laughs> All right. Uh, they all skip the nineteen hundreds. There's a, some like twenty one fifty something, and they're like, Ooh. "That's a train game. That's fine. It's the future." But nineteen hundreds, yeah. no. Those are war games. So speaking about the future, we've been talking about this for quite some time. Terraforming Mars is getting a big box version. Now, we knew about this way back when at PAX Unplugged. Stephen Bonacore was leaving hints everywhere with everybody that this was coming out. And we were really excited about this because Anthony and I are huge fans of Terraforming Mars. Right, Anthony? Oh, my gosh. Yeah. No, this, despite arguments with uh, fellow gamers and, and local friends, um, <laughs> this is still one of my favorite games of all time. It's, it's messy. It's got its faults, but it's so darn good. Yeah, it's up there for me, too. I, I think that I picked up my copy and your copy first day, first minute at Gen Con way back when. So we knew this was going to be great. It was great. 
and now it should be even better. So the Terraforming Mars Big Box is both a storage option for all the Terraforming Mars material released to date, which includes, of course, the base game, the five expansions, some are better than others, and the first player rover. And also, and this is the, the big selling point here, a 3D terrain set that's going to raise the quality of the components here, and 24 city tiles, six different designs, 40 forest tiles with five different designs, nine ocean tiles, and then 14 special tiles. The, the special tiles are the ones in the game that kind of mess up certain areas or just change it or score it a certain way. So there's going to be 11 original, and there's three new ones. So Terraforming Mars, the big box, is also going to include three new cards. I can't believe it's only three that relate to the three new special tiles. It's going to have card dividers, which are absolutely positively needed, and five plastic markers for the global parameters, which I guess is good. I mean, you have those little white cubes. They're not really doing much of anything. But as far as we know right now, that's pretty much it in a nutshell. So if for some reason you are not one of those people who hasn't already upgraded their Terraforming Mars game with all the 3D pieces and in some sort of storage container situation, this is certainly for you. Ugh, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just... <laughs> like you mentioned those rumors out of PAX. I wasn't at PAX, so I didn't talk to Steven, but I, you know, I heard that from several different people, including you. And I was like, oh my man, maybe they're finally going to reprint this thing and repackage it and get everything to be like the same quality of components. I think getting the artwork redone is probably a pipe dream, but that'd be amazing. And it's a box with some plastic in it, plastic that you can already buy off Etsy or anywhere else. And it looks about the same as those. So I don't know. I guess we'll see what it costs. I, I feel like if this is even remotely close to like Etsy prices, which are just 3D printed, it's a hard no. You know, I, I don't know. I love Terraforming Mars, but I'm not spending a hundred bucks for an empty box. <laughs> I want to say the same, but I, there has been times where I spent money on empty boxes. So I can't claim the higher ground as far as that's concerned. <laughs> you know, I have the base game and I have most of the expansions. I'm still missing a prelude, which is honestly my favorite expansion. I think it's essential for the game, but I haven't picked it up yet because I keep playing everyone else's copy. But yeah, I could use a big box to fit all the stuff in because even the base box is really hard pressed trying to fit all the components in there without the expansion. So this is good for me. Although I absolutely positively wanted a upgraded reprint of Terraforming Mars. I was looking forward to it. I would have been happy to unload my current copy to pay X number of dollars for a new revised copy. And maybe at some point there will be something like that. I mean, it seems like everything eventually gets a new revised version. But for me, the game wasn't missing 3D pieces. It was missing consistent artwork and a revision of the cards because that deck is crazy high and some things just work better than others and i just i just hate milling that deck yeah the, the whole thing is an edit job you've just added how many like two or three hundred cards to the game over the course of five expansions <laughs> and it's just it's so much it's so much stuff and you're right yeah some of the things just don't work together the synergies aren't there so 
I agree on everything you said, and I yeah. don't know that we'll ever see it because of <laughs> the companies involved in producing it, sure. but we can all hope, right? Yeah. I mean, if you've ever taken the corporation that's all about floaters, and then you have to oh. mill the deck to find the floaters, <laughs> it's like, find six floaters there, and you're like, all right, and you're going through, like, 15 minutes later, you've only had three floaters in your hand. <laughs> just like, almost halfway through, guys, still finding floaters. Hold on, I'll get there. But yes, so that'll be coming up soon. All right, so that's everything that's going on with our acquisition disorders. We would love to hear about all of your acquisition disorders and all of the games that you're currently playing. So please, absolutely, hit us up on Facebook, Twitter, BoardGamersAnonymous.com, our guild on BoardGameGeek, and Patreon.com slash BGA. We would love to have your support to get more board gaming out to everyone in the industry. So, Anthony, with that said, let's get on to our feature review. So, for our feature review this week, we are talking about Reddit's Top 100 Board Games. Now, again, surprising that Reddit had a Top 100 game, and it's such a well-curated list of the Top 100, but also a lot of surprising games on this list especially where they rank in comparison to Board Game Geek for, you know, for a while, for me at least, it's always been the standard. And now I have this great new list and so many people have contributed to it that I'm so excited to talk about it. Yeah, no, it's crazy. It's, and it, you know, they, they draw a lot of data from the BGG guild that they all share together from their comments here on Reddit. But at the end of the day, you have a, I wouldn't say a completely different list, maybe a third of these games aren't on the BGG list, but the fact that there's that many of them that don't quite cross over is really interesting to me. So yeah, I, I thought this'd be really fun to talk about. I like the idea when you brought it up. All right, Anthony. So why don't you start us off with number 100? Let's do it. Number 100 is Trajan. Stefan Feld's Ro- one of his Roman games. <laughs> Let's say his Roman <laughs> his- game. There's like five of them. <laughs> Um, it's 82 on BGG, so it's a little bit lower ranked here. Uh, what do you think? I'm a big fan of Trajan. It's it's basically Mario Party if it happened in Roman times. Number 100, it's a little surprising to me because I know a lot of people do love Trajan. So it's good that it's on the list, but surprisingly, it's number 100. All right. Yeah, so we're going to run through this too, just off the top here. Probably won't stop on every single game because there are 100 of them, and a lot of them we have talked about a lot before, but... Anything that's interesting or that isn't on the other list where we haven't talked about a ton, I want to bring up, um, which is, I say that because the next one is Hive Pocket, which is not on the BGG list at all. And so why is it here? Because Reddit loves Hive Pocket. What do you think of Hive Pocket? <laughs> yeah, Hive Pocket. I, I don't know. I've played Hive. It's fine. It's a little too abstracty for me, but I'm glad that a lot of people out there are getting some hive in their pocket Mm. (laughs) (laughs) all right number 98 suburbia it's 118 on bgg it used to be in the top 100 i think it deserves to be there this is one of my top 100 games but it's close it's close uh 97 on the list or in labora it's 116 on bgg i wouldn't be surprised if this one went up on bgg because they finally reprinted it and you can finally find it again i actually finally got my copy that i've been trying to track down now for like two three years so that'll be interesting. Welcome to at number 96. This is 129 on BGG. So 
This is a rolling right, flipping right, whatever you want to call it type of game. And one of the higher ranked ones. What do you think about Welcome 2? I'm pretty surprised that it reached the top 100 here. Uh, Welcome 2 is a really great game because you can play with literally an infinite number of people because you got that big chunky deck and it's just flipping cards. So it's great. But again, I'm kind of surprised it cracked the 100 here. All right. Yeah. Number 95 then, Captain Sonar. It's 133 on BGG. This game is brilliant, but it's really hard to get the right group together to play it. So I can see why it wouldn't quite crack the top 100 on BGG, but interesting to see it here. Yeah, I can't understand, again, like you said, it's a great game, but the top 100, number 95, again, surprising, but brilliant mechanics. Absolutely. Yeah, so here's another one that I was actually surprised is not on the BGG top 100. It's actually 208 on BGG, is Antiquity. This is a classic splutter game. Uh, One of the, I mean, all of them are very popular, but it's one of their big five. And yeah, it's, it's right here at number 94. This is shocking. I'm glad to see it. It happens to be one of my favorite splatter games, and I like to see that it's getting a lot of love on here, so good for that, man. Uh, All right, next up, number 93 is Mombasa. Uh, It's number 64 on BGG, so it's on the top 100 for both. Uh, Number 92 is Grand Austria Hotel, which is 91 on BGG, so almost identical. They almost matched Mm. up. And number 91 is Teotihuacan, City of Gods. It's number 69 on Board Game Geek. So again, both in the top 100 there. Uh, this next one, though, at number 90 is not on the BGD top 100 at all. It's actually number 293 is Battlecon Devastation of Indines. Have you played this? I haven't played this. I've heard a lot of good things about it from people for many, many years. This game's been around, but it's never hit my table. Yeah, me neither. I mean, 1199 does really good stuff, but this is just one I haven't played. All right. Number 89, Codenames Duet. It's 131 on BGG. And Codenames in general, I know, is in the top 100 of BGG. It's one of the best party games of all time. Duet, in my opinion, is the better version of that because of the way the mechanics work. But obviously, because it only plays two, I think fewer people play it. No, I agree 100%. Duet is the best version of Codenames. And yeah, I mean, I'm glad it's up here because like you said, 131, it tends to get lost. Absolutely. 88 is Tichu. It's 147 on Board Game Geek. This is an older game, so I think it's fallen over time. I actually got to play this for the first time before the pandemic, but not a lot before the pandemic. It is incredibly complicated. There are a billion rules and it broke my brain. I was so (laughs) bad at this game. I never played a game before that had so few components to it. Like just, just like two, three cards and you just like sweat literally every decision. It reminds me of like, you know, way back when where people used to play bridge and stuff like that. And it has that same kind of dynamic, like you, it's not even about winning it's it or losing. It's about disappointing your partner. Yeah. <laughs> so I just like, I played it. I get it, but I just can't go through that stress again. <laughs> I need to play it again just because I didn't fully understand what I was doing the first time. It's so, <laughs> so complicated. Oh, man. So moving on from that one, 87 is Istanbul. It's 104 on Board Game Geek. Um, so, you know, pretty close. Uh, 86 is Seven Wonders. 86 seems kind of low, right? It's it It's 49 on Board Game Geek now. It's fallen a lot over the years, but it is... 
It used to be in the top 10. Uh, 85 is Mansions of Madness 2nd Edition. Uh, it is number 30 on Board Game Geek. So wow. not nearly as much love here on Reddit. It actually fell nine spots since the last time Ooh. they hit it. 84 is Dominion Intrigue. It's number 65 on Board Game Geek. So I haven't played this version of Dominion, but I know it's it's very popular. It's kind of a standalone. Yeah, it's the best expansion slash standalone out there. I mean, it's just universally thought of as that way. So not surprising that's here. Absolutely. Uh, 83 is Aeon's End, 75 on Board Game Geek. It is, in my opinion, um, one of the best co-op deck builders out there um, for a variety of reasons. But the main reason is just the game is very streamlined, takes out all that extra tracking that can get you lost. Like in Sentinels, where you're trying to keep track of 500 things, none of that's here. It's just you build your combo, you run your combo, you fight these bosses. It's a lot of fun. 82 is Cosmic Encounter. This is actually 130 on Board Game Geek. I would have guessed it was in the top 100, but I guess it has fallen out over the years. Yeah, this is another classic game, and we've seen several classic games in here that BGG has all but forgotten upon, you know, with the hotness, the newness, and it seems like Reddit picked it up. So, yeah. Absolutely. So number 81 is the Resistance Avalon. I know this one's been on the BGG list for a long time. It's at 110 right now. So it's up there as one of the top um, social deduction games out there. It's the best version. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, number 80, Sherlock Holmes Consulting Detective. Uh, number 77 on Board Game Geek. So pretty close. Uh, number 79, Robinson Crusoe, Adventures on the Cursed Island. This is number 46 on Board Game Geek. It's actually fallen a little bit here. This is one of my favorite cooperative games, and there's a ton of expansion content for it. So I'd actually agree with the Board Game Geek ranking a little bit more. But mm, you know, okay, top 100 either way, so it's okay. Sure. <laughs> number 78, Battlestar Galactica, the board game. It's number 66 on Board Game Geek. I just think it's cool it's holding strong when it's been out of print for like four years. Uh, number 77, Galaxy Trucker Anniversary Edition. No ranking listed here on Board Game Geek, but that might just be because it, it they listed the Anniversary Edition in particular. I think it's well documented, our opinion on Galaxy Trucker on this podcast. So, <laughs> Yes. It's 2020, Anthony. We're not going to mention anything. No, like right? Here. We don't need to go. No, don't do it. Keep going. Don't look back. Don't look back. All right. All right. Number 76, Sidereal Confluence, Trading and Negotiation in the Elysian Quadrant. This is a pure trading game. It is number 533 on Board Game Geek. I've heard amazing things from the few people I know who've played it. I have not played it. You have it, right? But also have not played it. I have attempted to play it with people and have they've been so befuddled by the actual game that it never got a game out of it. And I still don't understand how it's so high here on the Reddit list. Maybe Reddit's considering the number of letters as, you know, quality. <laughs> but I, I think it recently got a reskin as far as the cover's concerned. I wish they would have just shortened the title just so it was more easy to kind of choke down when you play the game but hopefully one day i'll actually get it to the table all right number 75 on the list aeon's end war eternal just mentioned aeon's end this is a standalone expansion similar to dominion intrigue it's number 180 on board game geek uh 74 on the list another out of print game from fantasy flight forbidden stars um it's 96 on board game geek and 
yeah, I played this one. It's fantastic. The action selection mechanic. Uh, it's kind of like a hybrid of programming and bluffing. It's, it's really, really interesting. I mean, both these uh, games are really interesting. I mean, Forbidden Stars is never supposedly ever going to come back into print. Right? Because the licensure and that whole issue. And Aeon's End, you know, standalone expansion, you know, reaching number 75 out of from being 180. I mean, both pretty surprising. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and hopefully Forbidden Stars comes back in some form. The original version of this, the 1.0, was StarCraft, the board game. So this sure. is the 2.0. Maybe there'll be a 3.0 with Star Wars or something. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe they'll go back to StarCraft. That'd be ironic. <laughs> right. They'll get they, well, Days of Wonder has that Warcraft license now, so who it's knows? true. Um, number 73 on the list is Ticket to Ride 10th Anniversary Edition. So this is specific to the big box now incredibly expensive version of this game because it's finally out of print uh not listed on the board game geek top 100 probably the regular version of the game is Mm -hmm. uh 72 is hansa teutonica number 123 on board game geek i really really like this game it's also really dry so i understand why some people don't (laughs) i own a copy of the game and i've played the game my group loves the game i'm fine with it but as you said it's just it's you know, like it's saltine cracker dry. So, okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right, moving on. Number 71, Five Tribes. This is 56 on Board Game Geek, so pretty close there. Number 70 is Decrypto. It's 109 on Board Game Geek. It jumped a whole bunch, though, on this current list. Wow. Have you played Decrypto? I've never played I have. It. I played it a lot, actually. In fact, my group really loves Decrypto. And it's another one of those games where you're trying to guess not only your team's clue, but you're trying to guess the opponent's clues. So by you making guesses, they get information and vice versa. It's a small game. It's it's not a big game. It's it's pretty easy to play, but my group loves it. All right, moving on to a way, way bigger, longer game. Twilight Imperial 3rd Edition. Uh, this is number 69 here, number 59 on Board Game Geek. This is not even the current edition of the game. This is the last edition of the game, but it was the one in most circulation until two years ago. I'm going to balk at this a bit just because, once again, much respect to Twilight Imperium 3rd edition and maybe some other games that might pop up here. But if you do another edition of your game, I really always have a problem when multiple editions of a game are on the same list and they're not radically different. I mean, they're somewhat different, but not radically different. Yeah, yeah, I could see that. It, it, I mean, it does water down the list a little bit, yeah. yeah. Um, 68, Tigers and Euphrates, number 79 on Board Game Geek. I'm not a fan. You're not a fan? Not a fan. We're not fans. Yeah. <laughs> 67 is El Grande, number 60 on Board Game Geek. Pretty close to each other. Sure. One of the OG area control games. Great game. Uh, number 66, Glory to Rome. This is only 177 on Board Game Geek. I was surprised Shocking. by that shocking glory to rome is one of the best games for me of all time but i guess it being out of print is really done a, some damage on bgg yeah i mean i know a lot of people have never played it because just people don't have copies it's hard to find 65 is the seventh continent this is actually 17 on board game geek wow it's cult of the new and all that and Ooh. it's actually been dropping here on this list so sure. i'm not surprised to see that i've tried to learn this game a couple times and it's interesting and engaging, but there's a lot there and it's brutally hard. So you can see that people bouncing off that one pretty hard. 
64 is Twa, number 71 on Board Game Geek. This is one of my favorite games, but I know you're a little iffy on it, right? Yeah, I'm a little iffy on it. I'm happy to give it another chance now that it's kind of been reprinted. All right. Number 63 is Yokohama, number 89 on Board Game Geek. I love Yokohama. This is a fantastic game. It's like a bigger, meatier version of Istanbul. Yeah, and that's surprisingly enough, I actually like Istanbul better, which, hmm. again, I would think it would be Yokohama that I'd like better, but it's a little too much at times for me. Another one that's gone way higher on Board Game Geek than on Reddit is Wingspan. It's Yes. It's at 62 here, and that's up 11 spaces. Yes. But it's 24 on Board Game Geek, and that's in one year. In one year, I got up to number 24, which is crazy. I think that we talked about this so much. I, I wonder where Wingspan finally lands, no pun intended, <laughs> <laughs> on BGG and, and I guess now Reddit because 24, man, 24. And even 62 on the Reddit list going up 11 spots is is really impressive. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we, we had the same conversation about Terraforming Mars like a year into that game when it was rising <laughs> up. And now it's at number three, right? Yeah. All right. Okay, so next up is 61, Pandemic Iberia. This is number 86 on Board Game Geek. This is my favorite version of the game, just as a standalone pandemic version. Adds a couple new cool mechanics, really cool artwork. The theme is interesting. Um, it's well worth trying out. Sure. Number 60 is 1830 Railways and Robber Barons. Whoa. Uh, 169 on Board Game Geek. This is considered the original 18xx game. There was one before it, but this is the one that everything is based off of. So I could see why it's up here on the list. Number 59 is Age of Steam. It is 124 on Board Game Geek. It's actually up a fair bit here on Reddit. Um, mm. Probably due to the new Kickstarter that came out, I'd imagine. Finally sure. getting it back into circulation. Number 58 is Vinyos Deluxe Edition. This is 121 on Board Game Geek. So it's games like this that make me say it's a little bit heavier of a list because you've got more Lacerda games. We've already seen sure. more Splatter games. So that was cool to see. Deserves to be here. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, it's it's a shame it's not higher in his games overall. Number 57 is Kemet. Uh, it's 87 on Board Game Geek, currently on Kickstarter. Cthulhu may or may not be included. I don't, I don't know where they're <laughs> at with that anymore. <laughs> it's 2020. Everything's in there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there's a Cthulhu, there's Bloodrain, there's Locust. Who knows? <laughs> Yeah, a quick aside to that. They added Cthulhu. People got upset. They pulled Cthulhu out. And now it's kind of like an optional buy. And you could actually go on Board Game Geek and vote for the new reskinning of the expansion. All right, oh back God. in. <laughs> <laughs> that's your 2020 <sighs> board game update. Yep, yep. That's what they all sound like these days. Oof. Yep. Number 56. This makes me really happy. Uh, the Great Zimbabwe. This is... Nowhere near the top 100 on Board Game Geek. It's only 326 over there. Wow. And here it's at 56, which is great. And I think it should be up there. Crazy. Probably my favorite Splatter game. Wow, amazing. Number 55 is Puerto Rico with the two expansions. Uh, this is this particular version not ranked on Board Game Geek, but of course Puerto Rico is on the Board Game Geek list. No, Puerto Rico was at number one originally way back when. And I love the fact that this says with the two expansions. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right. Number 54, The Voyages of Marco Polo. Number 45 on Board Game Geek. One of my favorite games of all time and happy to see it up here on both lists. Mm -hmm. yeah. Number 53 is Inish. 
It is 103 on Board Game Geek. It was in the top 100 until somewhat recently. This is a fantastic dudes on a map game. Sure. Love, love to see it that's hanging on there. Number 52 is Star Wars Imperial Assault. It is number 36 on Board Game Geek. I'm, I'm impressed to see this one hanging around as well because there's been no new content for it in about a year or two. Uh, they seem to be done with this one, but it's really solid. It's just, it's been kind of dead in terms of expansions. Sure. Number 51 is Patchwork, um, Uwe Rosenberg's best two-player game, in my opinion. It is number 70 on Board Game Geek. Number 50 is Blood Rage, number 31 on Board Game Geek, so pretty close on those two. Uh, number 49, we have another splatter game that is not on the Board Game Geek list. It's 202 over there. It is Indonesia. So where do you think this one fits? Should it be uh, this high up compared to the other two? It's surprising that it's this high up, especially that's higher up than Antiquity and Great Zimbabwe because... This is fiddly in a box. It's a great yeah. <laughs> game, but it is fiddly in the box. So must have a lot of splatter fans on Reddit that are uh, pushing these games up. So it's great to see here. I would never expect it to be number 49, though. No, not me neither. Um, I feel like this is my least favorite of theirs I've played. It's still good. I like it. But yeah, I'm surprised to see it so high. Uh, number 48 is The Gallerist. Number 57 on Board Game Geek, so pretty close there. It's one of my favorite Lacerda games. Right above it at number 47 is Lisboa, which is 67 on Board Game Geek. Lacerda? Number 46, Dominant Species, is number 52 on Board Game Geek. Again, very, very close. Uh, 45, we talked about this one already. Codenames is number 68 on Board Game Geek. It, I feel like this is falling on both lists at this point. Um, 44 is Zulkin the Mayan Calendar. Also very close to the ranking on Board Game Geek at number 39. Uh, 43 is Roll for the Galaxy. This is 76 on Board Game Geek. So a little bit higher here, which I feel like I would agree with, because this is probably one of the better light to midweight games that I own, right? Yeah, I'd agree too. I mean, Roll for the Galaxy is my favorite as well. And it's kind of sad that it got pushed back a little bit, but number 43, I think, is is, is a really good spot for it. All right, number 42 is Power Grid. It's 34 on Board Game Geek, so pretty close. Kind of a classic um, light to mid Euro. Number 41 is the Uwe Rosenberg sandbox game, Fields of Arrow. It's 53 on Board Game Geek, so pretty close there. Um, right above it is another Uwe Rosenberg game, La Havre. Uh, it's 43 over on Board Game Geek. This is probably one of his hardest to get to the table. It's the densest to learn, but... Generally considered one of his best. Number 39 is the original version of Azul. It's number 42 over on Board Game Geek. I personally like the two versions that come after this, but of course it makes sense that the original is up here. Yep. Uh, 38 is Clans of Caledonia, and this is 44 over on Board Game Geek. It takes that Terra Mystica mechanic, adds a little bit of a economic system to it, and streamlines it a lot. So... I feel like I'd like this the most of those three games between this Terra Mystica and Gaia project. So happy to see it up here. Number 37 is Crokinole. Number 72 over on Board Game Geek. Uh, I feel like this one's had a little bit of a resurgence of late too with people stuck at home. This is a great game to play by yourself. Yeah, I feel like with um, Crokinole, you could stick it literally anywhere on the list and people would agree. 
Yeah. Because <laughs> the people who have it are like, yes. And the rest of us are like, I want one. So. <laughs> and other people are like, I don't know. What is this? <laughs> yeah. How much money is that? <laughs> number 36, Eclipse. This is number 41 on the Board Game Geek list. The second edition is still not out, I don't believe. So we'll see what if that changes over time. Number 35 is Android Netrunner. This is 47 of over on Board Game Geek. It's fallen a little bit, I think, because it's been out of print now for a couple of years. They lost the license. The game has ended. But having finally gotten a chance to play it after they ended the license, I'm 100% on board. This game's amazing. Number 34 is Mechs vs. Minions. This is the League of Legends kind of adjacent game <laughs> yeah it's like a it's like a programming game it's not it's not a MOBA by any sense of the of the word but it is one of the most fantastic productions you'll see in a board game mm-hmm. absolutely uh number 33 is race for the galaxy this is number 50 over on board game geek so pretty close there uh 32 is caverna another uve rosenberg game it's 27 over on board game geek so no huge difference there as well mage knight is number 31 here on Reddit and 25 on Board Game Geek. These are getting pretty close to each other. There's a few more outliers up here we're going to get to, but most of them are pretty close now that we get to the top. Number 30 is Kingdom Death Monster. This is 32 over on Board Game Geek. It has fallen a little bit. I feel like the people who were going to buy it bought it, and now it's just a smaller number of diehard fans on this game. Yeah. Number 29 is Root. It is 37 over on Board Game Geek. It has risen here a little bit, probably because of all the new expansion content that came out. Orleans is number 28 here and number 26 on Board Game Geek. Uh, it is down four spots on Reddit, but again, no new content in the last couple of years, so not surprising to see that. Uh, Agricola sits in about the same spot on both. It's number 27 here, 29 on Board Game Geek. Um, Pandemic Legacy Season 2. I'm always surprised to see this one up here because I know people who love season one are, you know, hot or cold on this one. I have not played season two. I never got around to it, so I couldn't tell you. Aren't you, aren't <laughs> you doing that right now? Right. This, yeah. Well, yeah. Good, good point. <laughs> good point, Chris. <laughs> oh, man. Um, 25 is Agricola Revised Edition. So, again, that thing where we have another game. It's the same thing on the same list. Uh, 24 is Seven Wonders Duel. This is 16 on the uh, BGG list. I'm fine with it anywhere up here because this is, in my opinion, just the best two-player game out there, period. So 100% on board with that. Viticulture Essential Edition is number 23. It's number 20 over on Board Game Geek. I, I kind of fell off Viticulture a little bit, but it's still a very good game. Sure. Uh, 22 is Arkham Horror the Card Game. This is 21 on Board Game Geek, so... About the same there. Scythe is number 21, a little bit lower than it is on Board Game Geek, where it's number 10. And then we do have an outlier here. PAX Premier Ooh. Second Edition is at number 20, which is insane wow. because it's 283 on Board Game Geek. So it's not even close. <laughs> PAX Premier Second Edition was my game of the year last year. It's fantastic. And I'm not at all unhappy to see it up here. It's just funny to see the huge disparity. And I guess part of that is how many ratings you need to get to get up on that list on board game geek. And it just isn't there yet. Cause people don't own the game. Yeah. And it's a very unique game. It's not for everybody. It's you have historical elements to it. You have really crunchy, crunchy 
mechanics that go along with the game. It's it's really dynamic. I mean, it's 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 an unusual game, and and they recently had a new Kickstarter for it. So maybe once it hits everybody's table again, maybe they'll bump up a little more on BGG. But you know, props to uh, Reddit users for having it here at number twenty. Yeah, absolutely. All right, number nineteen is Brass Lancashire. It is also number nineteen on Board Game Geeks. So Whoa. perfect sync. <laughs> <laughs> nice job. Number 18 is Keyflower, going back a few years. Uh, number 51 on Board Game Geek. Okay. Seven, 17 is Star Wars Rebellion. It is number 8 on Board Game Geek. Both of those are fine with me. This is a fantastic game. Number 16 is Terraforming Mars. This is number 3 on Board Game Geek. And while it is one of my favorite games of all time, number 3 always felt a little high. I don't Same know. Same here. Same here. Yeah. It feels more of a number 16 because, again, like we talked about earlier... If it got a streamlined version, yeah, number three. But right now, it's yeah, 16 seems a little bit a better fit. Number 15 is Terra Mystica. It's number 14 over on Board Game Geek. This one's been just solidly up here for eight years now. Not surprised to see it. Number 14 is A Feast for Odin. It's number 23 over on Board Game Geek. So thank you, everybody, for agreeing that A Feast for Odin is Uwe Rosenberg's best game. Yes. Ooh, ooh. <laughs> I don't know, man. People agree with me. I don't know what to tell you. Well, everyone seems to have really weird shaped food. That's all I have to say. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, number 13 is the Castles of Burgundy. Number 15 over on Board Game Geek. Uh, again, ranked the highest Feld game. I agree. Through the Ages, A New Story of Civilization is number 12 here. It's number four over on Board Game Geek. We have Gaia Project at number 11 which now outranks Terra Mystica, which it should. It's a better version of that game. It's number nine on Board Game Geek. Uh, Great Western Trail. Speaking of games that are ranked too highly, Great Western Trail is at number 10. It's number 11 on Board Game Geek. I just don't get this one. I like the game fine, but number 10 and number 11. What is happening? Nope, nope, nope. (laughs) Yeah, I know. Not at all. Yeah, yeah. So, ugh. Anyways, uh, number nine is my number one game of all time, War of the Rings Second Edition. It's number twelve on Board Game Geek. Both of these are fine. It's a bit of a niche game, but it's, in my opinion, one of the best ever made. Number eight is Twilight Struggle. It's number seven on Board Game Geek. I'm interested to see what happens because Imperial Struggle, the sequel to this, yeah. finally, finally, is coming out. They're shipping it right now, and I imagine it's going to jump up here on the list. But will it outrank Twilight Struggle? So Ooh, I guess we'll see. Good question. Yeah. Yeah. Um, number seven, Food Chain Magnet. So you knew that yeah. this would be the top ranked splatter game. And it here it is in the top 10. It's number 28 on Board Game Geek, where it is also the highest ranked splatter game, but not nearly as high as here. It's pretty impressive. I mean, it's it's a it's a fairly complex, somewhat cutthroat splatter game at a very, very high price. Even its expansion is very high. So, again, major you know, respect for everyone on uh, Reddit for putting it this high. Absolutely, yeah. Um, next up on the list is Concordia. This is number 18 on BoardGameGeek. So number six here, pretty solid, uh, for a game that has so much content and so many expansions that I know it gets a ton of play. Yeah, I'd like to see that it's here as a like legitimate classic game. I don't own it myself, but I don't own it because literally everyone else does. Yeah. <laughs> yep. 
yeah, I, I own everything for it, and I have not played all those expansions yet, but I do very much enjoy it. Uh, number five is, in both of our top tens, Spirit Island. This is number yes. 13 over on Board Game Geek. Yeah, this was my number one, I think, two years back. So, yeah, great to see it in the top five. Absolutely. Uh, another game that's in my top ten is Twilight Imperium, fourth edition. It's number six on Board Game Geek, so pretty close here. Uh, well deserved. This is absolutely this is a game i've played now uh, six times and every single time it's just been an experience i could tell you what happened in each of those games which i mean i would hope so they're 10 hours long but still (laughs) there's no other game that i remember every experience i have with it and this is the one (laughs) number three on the list brass birmingham this is number five on board game geek i'm totally happy with this ranking i love this game i've played it a bunch this year for the 10 by 10 I'm still a little surprised it jumped up so high, but I'm okay with it. Same here. I'm surprised that it's this high, but I'm absolutely fine with it. it. The production and the gameplay, again, it seems it seems you know impossible for it to get this high considering how low it was with the original edition, but it definitely, definitely deserves to be up here. Absolutely. And then number one and two are the same as they are on Board Game Geek and probably aren't going to change anytime soon because of how highly rated they are. Number two, Pandemic Legacy Season 1. Number one, Gloomhaven. So I'm not surprised at all that they're the same, but just how far ahead they are above the other games in terms of rating and ranking um, is very interesting to see, even after all these years. Absolutely. Surprising, and I guess, yet not at the same time. All right, well, there you go. The top 100 board games from Reddit. Check out their subthread, uh, Board Games on Reddit, and uh, see if you uh, agree with the list. If you want to add to the list or vote on the list, it's always a nice opportunity. Reddit does a great job of supporting independence and community out here, so maybe this will become the, your default list. All right, so that's everything for this week. Until next time, this is Chris. And this is Anthony. And we'll save you all a seat at the table.